Nobody warns you about the potential relationship pitfalls that occur after the arrival of children. You may seem prepared with the nursery items, daycare options, and the state-of-the-art crib, but have you prepared for the added stressors to your relationship? Hi, I'm Miranda, a Gottman-trained couples therapist. And I'm Aaron. I work in the financial industry, and Miranda and I have been partners for over 20 years. And we've had our fair share of ups and downs ourselves sure after have. becoming parents. Join us as we sit with couples sharing their experiences of how love has changed since the transition of children. Whether you are trying to conceive, currently pregnant, already have children, or experience loss and infertility, this podcast will showcase authentic, real couples, just like yourself, who are navigating love after lullabies. I will also share communication tips and tricks from my experience of working in private practice for over 10 years in the state of Oregon that can help maintain and even improve your relationship. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you get something out of today's episode. Today. (laughs) (laughs) Hi. Hello there. I have a question for you. Go for it. Okay, so if I came up to you and said, I'm not happy in this marriage or we have some challenges in our relationship and I think that if we were to go to couples therapy it would help or I want to go to couples therapy would you go uh I would have a lot of questions I mean I would hope that if you're asking me this question there's like there's been you know it's not a surprise right mm-hmm. like if you're if you're saying hey there's some problems in our marriage we should go to counseling I mean I would hope that as a guy I would see that as well and I love you so much that I would say I will do whatever we need to do to make it right. Hmm. So cool. my first, yeah, my first initial was like, absolutely. Uh-huh. However, you know, that might be easier said than done. Yeah. If we were in that situation. I mean, we have gone to couples therapy before. Yeah, but we have. But granted, that was for a very specific reason. Which we will go into in season two. Yeah, I mean, but that, yeah, we went to go see a counselor to strengthen what we have. Yeah. Which is and, great. you know, kind of process through a decision. But, yeah, I think um, that's a very, I don't know, there, there's a, it's common to hear a lot of resistance with one partner in the relationship, specifically men, if I had to stereotype I often see it more in men than women, but maybe that's just what I see. No, I I think you're spot on. And I I think it's, I mean, speaking from the guy perspective, I think it's even challenging for a lot of men to go seek individual counseling. Mm -hmm. You know, you hear a lot about, you know, men like to use their fix-it hats or, you know, they, they don't need tell some, they don't need somebody else telling me how to fix my problems. You know, they think they have everything under control when in reality, you know. They, they need some help with to walk through things, you know? Do you think that it makes them feel less of a man if oh. they have to go to couples therapy or individual therapy? For sure. Hmm. Yeah. Because they're not fixing it themselves. Yeah, but I think they see that they don't see that they have things they need to fix. Hmm. Right. So like a little bit of narcissism? Maybe? I can see that. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I sat down with Shiloh Miner. She is a relationship coach. This is a kind of a a solo session. But it was pretty interesting because she works as a relationship coach, but she works with one of mostly women in the relationship. And whereas I am a couples therapist and I work with the unit, 
because my mind, my mindset has always been that it takes two to make any sort of changes. But her perspective and her um, experience has been that you can make changes in the relationship with one person. I see the couples and she sees the individuals whose partner does not want to go to couples therapy. Right. <laughs> well, and, and I listen to it, you know, because it's a solo episode and I appreciated her perception on it and, and what she does because it, you know, what, what you do isn't for everybody and what she does isn't for everybody. And so there's, right. there's these great options to really tackle any kind of issue you may have. So it was an interesting conversation. She lives in Nova Scotia, Canada, which is a place like I really want to go visit someday. It yeah. looks absolutely stunning. It's very cool. So maybe someday we'll visit. Maybe someday you'll take me. I think it's interesting that there are a lot of men that don't want to go to counseling or, or hesitate when they go to couples counseling. We also have had a fair share of, of men that have refused to be on our show. Oh, yeah. That's a real common thing, y'all. Yeah, it's like, it's like one of the partners is really excited about it, and the other one's like, oh, I don't know, I guess so. And then it's funny, we've had several guys that have come on the show, and then at the end of it, they're like, wow, that was really great. Like, that was we had a great time. Yeah, because they realize how cool we are. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> uh, or that we're not scary, maybe. Yeah, it's not a scary thing. And maybe that's a piece of, like, the therapy, not wanting to go to see a counselor, is that it's, it's a scary unknown, you know? Mm-hmm. Could dig up some real childhood traumas there. It's time to suck it up, guys. Okay. No. <laughs> None of that. No, I'm None saying suck it up and go to counseling. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Not <laughs> suck it up. Not tuck it deep down. <laughs> like a good Christian folk will do. Not like a, a good Christian to push it way deep down and never surface anymore. <laughs> no, bring it up. Go see somebody. It's healthy. Yeah. Anyway, we'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. You can always comment on the actual episode. Or you can, you know, call in 503-610-610-4. Thank you. 610-610-4. Okay. Yeah. I forget. All right, you guys. uh, Have a great rest of the day. Bye. I'm really excited to connect with you. And, you know, I, I saw you in the the interwebs of the Facebook groups, podcasting groups, and I immediately was like, oh, I really want to connect with you because we share one of the same core values, which is relationships. And considering this podcast is about relationships, more specifically after children and how they evolve and change. And I was like, I need to, I would love to chat with you. So, mm-hmm. so here we are. <laughs> yes. Awesome. It's, it's a, it's a endless topic and one that um, I think we, as women are, um, we can't put it down. It mm-hmm. needs to be okay before we can put it down. And I think sometimes we tell ourselves, I should just give it up and who cares and it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be good. And that doesn't last long. We just wake up a couple months later, more burnt out than before going, no, no, I, this, that was the wrong decision. <laughs> I can't put this down. Yeah. Who we are. So yeah. I, I just love it too. Yeah. Life is so short. So, I mean, why not have a happy, sustainable relationship? I'm very curious. I want to hear a little bit about your own experience and from what it looks like you have two kids. Two Nice. Okay. So definitely want to hear your experience of that transition to parenthood and how that was with you and your partner 
I obviously want to hear about the work that you do. And so do the Mm -hmm. listeners and a lot of things to cover. (laughs) For sure. I mean, I could talk about this stuff forever. Thank you so much. So um, I'll just start out by saying that I was this, I am the kind of person who tries to get a jump on everything. I figure if I know about it ahead, like it will not touch me. I will, I will skate through, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Turns out that's a little, um, little arrogance of motherlessness going on there. You know, everyone's a perfect mother until they have kids kind of thing. Yeah. And so even when my husband and I were married, I had read like the Gottman's book on seven principles that make marriage work. And then I read baby make three and I was like, we have to read this. We're doing this. We're not going to be like other people. But what I really learned and what I want other women to hear is that no amount of pre-education and training is going to change the fact of biology. Yep. You had the baby. Mm-hmm. If you're nursing it, you're the only one who can nurse it. That shift in energy is indescribable to someone who hasn't experienced it. Oh. There's no even Steven Z's when you're a mother, not for babies. Like things can shift as they get older. But so anyways, we're all on the same page. I have a husband who wants to be an involved dad. So great, great, great. And then I had the baby and we were building a house at the time. Oh my so goodness. He's just 24 seven building our house, living with our neighbors because our house is not done. Oh my goodness. So he's like, oh my God, we got to get out of our neighbors with our baby. Like <laughs> he's pretty much 24 seven on the house. And he's looking at me like, well, what would I do anyways? The baby's glued to you. Mm-hmm. He's nursing all the time. It was lonely. It yeah. was hard. I went from having a relationship with my husband to having a relationship with my baby. Yeah. And it was, and it was nobody's fault. Right. Right. Like we agreed on this and this is how it go. I was really lucky because my neighbor was this wonderful grandmotherly woman who'd like oh, helped me. Oh my God. I would have died without her. Mm-hmm. Um, that on the side is something that I also really, really want to emphasize is that we women have relied on other women in these seasons. Mm-hmm. And in the absence of women, which most of us, like my mother's across the continent in British Columbia, I'm in Nova Scotia, we turn to our husbands and they're like, like, what? Right? Like our mothers were mothers. They know exactly what you're going through. And and it's also they want usually, not always. I mean, some mothers are not so helpful. We hope for sisters and aunties and mothers and all this. And when they're not there, there's not a person to go around, is basically how I see it. Mm-hmm. Between you and your husband, there should be other legs, there should be a village. Yeah. And it doesn't show up. And then something's got to give. And it's us as women and not just us as women. Like my husband, um, we had all the usual fights where I was like, you know, why don't you take the baby? And he's like, the baby wants you. And, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, how do I get out of the house? Baby's going to scream. And so for the first child, we got through it. Right. Because yeah. it was one kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the second kid come and my, I was even lucky enough that my husband took paternity leave but I remember it so vividly I'm sitting in the big chair nursing my baby my toddler is going ape peeing on the floor oh my goodness. on the couch like hysterical about this this loss of his mom's laugh right ah. totally acting out like crazy my husband is in the kitchen trying to do all the that I would have done for the older one, which was again an amazing agreement. You take mm-hmm. over the toddler, I'll take over the baby. But I was just irritable all the time. Yeah. Why aren't you stopping him from being on the floor? Go fix this. Like I was bossing from the couch, which of course mm-hmm. was pissing my husband off immeasurably. <laughs> Everybody loves an armchair warrior. Yeah. Um I have to say that's that's when our marriage just took took a turn because because mm-hmm. I was so grumpy. And my, my baby had, um, dietary sensitivities. 
that I figured out as the nursing mother. Yeah. I could only eat like five foods and right. I was not sleeping. So anyways, my top, I'm totally, totally burnt out. Mm -hmm. I'm doing everything I can. My husband's doing everything he can and it's not enough. Right. Mm -hmm. So looking back on it, I see that I wanted that emotional support from him. Yeah. I wanted him to be like, oh man, like, look at what you're doing. Like, you're so tired. Like, it's amazing. Like, I wanted him to build me up emotionally like that. And at the same time, I was constantly criticizing and attacking him. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. he was just shutting down and backing off from me more and more and more. Right. To the point where, you know, when our kids got a little bit older, when the baby is like a year or two, I'm thinking, well, let's get back to us. But there's been a lot of damage in that period, right? Right. Right. It's really hard and to hug a porcupine. <laughs> it is. It is. And and someone who's kind of been like complaining about you for years, you know, I'm not happy. This isn't working. We need date nights. Like I had, I was the, before I even became a relationship coach, I was like the hobby expert. So mm -hmm. I was like overly, um, it was almost a curse, right? Like I had all the answers. I was always yeah. right. Cause I had read all the books and he hadn't read all the books. So clearly sure. I should be telling sure. them how to make this work. And even though a lot of my outcomes I desired were absolutely correct, my means were sabotaging us. Mm -hmm. Trying to bring all this down into a, a yeah. <laughs> not an hours long story. I did realize that I had a good man here. Mm -hmm. I had two beautiful kids here and I was unhappy. And that was kind of my aha moment. I was like, this is what I have always wanted. Right. I have wanted this. I've been longing for this. And now I'm here and I'm miserable. Yeah. I don't want to just try my luck at the draw again. Like that doesn't seem sane. Mm -hmm. So what is it inside of me? Where can I take responsibility? And that's when I started turning things around and ended up where we are now, which is mm -hmm. so great. Relationship is so much more passionate even than it was when we started mm -hmm. because I'm not doing those things to get in the way of myself. So did you kind of sit down with your, with your partner and have some of these conversations like, viewing your relationship as an audience member of like, this is, this is what's, what's happening here. And this is what I'm noticing. Or were you able to sit down and be open, you know, with each other around so that? What happened was I tried to do that and it didn't work. Mm. Right. Like I would say, Hey, like I, I miss you. Like I'm noticing we don't connect anymore. The physical connection isn't even there. That's mm -hmm. something I always like to talk about because women think it's only men who have that problem, but all the time it's happening the other way, especially oh, yeah. after children. Oh, Mom, yes. So yes. let's just put it out there. It's not just women denying sex out here in, in this relationship world. It's going mm -hmm. both ways and it's unless you're hideous, your man's not going to reject you. That yeah. was happening too. So I was like, hey, what about this? What about like, and and even though I was being... um. I wasn't attacking him at the start, you know, I was saying like, Hey, can we do something about this? He would be saying things like, you've got little kids. Like, what are you talking about? It's not that bad. So we ended up with this clash of narratives mm -hmm. where I was going, this is not sustainable. This is not okay. I am no, like, this is not at all what I signed up for. Mm -hmm. And he was saying, this is kind of not bad. Like, you know, we're getting through it. We're surviving. And yeah. I can't tell you how many of my clients have this story, mm -hmm. you know, where it's like, and so then as the woman, I'm thinking, he doesn't even want what I want. He thinks it's fine. Oh my God. I'm right. never going to be able to turn this thing into the connected marriage I want because he's completely content with like roommates, just, right. just making, the, making the kids go, just running the machine. Right. 
Um, so yeah, so long story short, I tried many, many different means to have those conversations with him. And I tried to get him to read books and parts of books. What I know now is that was not attractive. Mm. And so even though it wasn't wrong, I didn't say anything bad. The mm -hmm. thing that brings your relationship around is essentially attraction, which is a subconscious process. So part of the reason why having so much conversation, like, let's just talk this out, let's hash it out, doesn't fix relationships because it can actually undermine how attracted you are to that person. Hmm. Well, at the same time, you might be going, I care about you. I love you. Like, I'm trying to hear you here, but like, ah, you're complaining and you're negative and you're making me the bad guy. And I just, I just don't want to be part of that energy. From what I know now, I can see how I was continually driving the wedge wider by like escalating my complaints. Let's talk about this again. Like being the pursuer. I don't know if you've heard of the pursuer distancer dynamic. Yep. Yeah. Right. Like it's so classic, especially after kids, the woman's <clears throat> going, you used to pursue me. Mm -hmm. You used to want to be near me. You used to have plans for us. And now you don't. So I'm going to go over there and be like, well, let's do something. Why aren't we getting together? Let's go on dates. And as a rule, men hate being pursued. This is something that we have not been taught. They hate it. They feel smothered. They feel bossed around. They feel controlled. And they're like, so even if they can't really criticize the words you're using, they just get this repelled feeling. Like, oh, you're just on me all the time. Give me some space. Give me some peace. You know, they spend more time at work or whatever. And so the reversing the pursuer distance or dynamic is a critical piece of bringing back that man who was excited to spend time with you. You didn't have to beg for it. You didn't have to have a meeting to, you know, spend mm -hmm. time together. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that dynamic um, play out opposite, you know, where yeah. the, the man is like pursuing more and more and that, that woman, you know, in heterosexual relationships, if we're, if we're talking yeah. about that, you know, yeah. the woman also feels smothered, you know, a little, especially with young kids and that sense of being overtouched and, you know, but there is something too, like very, uh, that can build a lot of emotional connection by having some of those conversations, you know, like, and not just more of the behaviors that you're seeing or that you're not liking, but what's underneath the behaviors, like what's your emotional experience right. with this transition and with each other and which can build attraction. It's a delicate dance. Mm -hmm. So expressing yourself vulnerably mm -hmm. and actually just saying how you feel without the blame without the expectation without all that other stuff is very attractive you're so right mm -hmm. but, but that's scary it's very hard to do it's scary and awkward yeah. when you're not used to it but very hard to do when you're resentful mm -hmm. very hard to do when you're lonely and starving because you're so you get this anxious energy right that you're like we need to fix this now the pursuer thing i wanted to um add on to what you said about when women are in the pursuit usually a man's pursuing her physically Mm -hmm. And she's like, I am not in the mood. And now you're needy, which makes you more annoying. So I think it can help women to understand how men feel about our type of pursuit when we understand their type. The more a man pursues a woman for sex, the less attractive he gets to her. The more he feels like a burden, the more she's like, you're kind of like a child. You're like an extra complaint on my list. Like, can you please just not, right? Because now I have to field your complaints all the time. I have to deal with you. So even again, she's like, I love you. I don't hate sex with you, but the more you do this, the less my desire just goes down, 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 mm -hmm. right? Same thing as a woman. If you're like, you know, I'm lonely. There's no affection. We don't go on dates. He's like, well, I, when you demand it, I can't do it. It's like, now he's kowtowing to me to take me out. That's like gross energy for him. It's like, I want to yeah. do 
I love you. I want to do it because I like to do it. Mm-hmm. But if you push, 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 there's no room for my authentic stepping up. Yeah. And as women who, who are feeling a, a loss of libido after children, if she could do it on her time when she felt ready, then it would be like, okay, let's try this. But if, but if she's being, you know, poked at every time, she's not ready, mm-hmm. she's never ready. She's never going to be in the mood. She's never going to come around. So um, it helped me kind of understand how men don't usually tell us that it's not attractive. Right. And we don't tell men it's not attractive. It feels like such an insult. Like, uh, I'm not attracted right now. Um, but that's what we're doing, right? With the, mm-hmm. with the pursuing, over pursuing would be a way to look at it. For you and your experience of working with your clients, because I, I also work with clients and have a very different, um, you know, a little bit different mindset. How do you, how do you have that dance? How do you find that balance of discussing your, your needs, but not having it be so, you know, rough? No, it's a good question. Cause yeah, my approach is, is a little different. Um, it's a little more indirect right and so what I do is is the first thing I do with women is kind of clean up their own energy it's like if you want to have a conversation with him it's got to be clean and what I mean by clean is I'm not leaning on you to fix me Mm -hmm. right I feel bad why haven't you fixed me my life is hard fix it like I feel like we get in the habit of blaming our partners for our emotions right so it's like stop all of that imagine he's not even in your life how would you make your life better right? How would you handle your pressures with parenthood and work and whatever? What can you do without thinking about him that would give you more energy, that would give you more passion, that would give you more satisfaction in your life? Hmm. Um, Because a lot of women will say to me, before I got married, I was that woman. Mm -hmm. I did my own life. I traveled. I was awesome. I was independent. Why am I like, why don't I have that anymore? Right? I think it's because having babies brings up a primal vulnerability that is just so intense. And we lose all our old routines with the breastfeeding and the no sleep. We lose Mm -hmm. a sense of self, right? And so then we can start looking to our husband to fill that void. We've never experienced that void before. Like it's a scary new place, right? Yeah. So first step is come back, find your identity, find your stuff, do whatever you can do by your own means so that you're not feeling so dependent on him. Because dependency breeds anger, right? Like who wants to be dependent on someone? You start Mm -hmm. to hate them. Like you won't do the things I need and you don't do the things I need, I won't be happy. Plus, I think it elicits a lot of fear too. You know, uh, more dependency like creates a lot more fear, fear of loss. Yeah, Yeah, you get very anxious. What if I talk to him and he doesn't respond well? Like that's too scary. I can't do it, right? You can't handle any disappointment. So first is like, get your own life as joyful, peaceful, sustainable as you can, right? So that you're Mm -hmm. coming from a more centered place. And then the next thing I talk about is just some typical tendencies in men. Like I, I found in my marriage and of my clients, we're generally expecting men to think and operate the way women do. So if they forget something, if they miss something emotionally, if they don't respond the way we want, we interpret that as lack of care. And then the more times we're like, oh, if he cared, he would have called. If he cared, he would notice I'm struggling over here with the kids. If he cared, he'd do those house chores, right? But that interpretation of it's because he doesn't care sends us into a really deep spiral of like, oh my God, I'm married to a man who doesn't even care about me. Like he's selfish. I'm all on my own here. So I kind of help them reinterpret some of these blind spots that men have and also their motivations so that they're not making it worse than it is, I suppose, right? Like the narrative they're telling themselves is even worse than just the reality of what's happening. And so I teach them how to meet men's needs, particularly for appreciation and respect. 
So then if he's feeling appreciated for what he's already doing, yeah. typically with my clients, before we even get to expressing and having a conversation, he starts doing stuff. He starts helping out. He starts showing up better because he's just inspired to. He's like, oh, this person already appreciates me. So I don't mind doing a little more. Like I had, I have clients. She's like, oh my God, he's vacuuming. He's never done that in our whole marriage. I'm like, yeah, I didn't, you know, like I don't listen to but you appreciated him. I got extra energy. Let's vacuum. So that's the thing. I, sp- I spent a lot, a lot of time just in those first two phases so that when you do come to communicate, it's something that you can say it without the heaviness, without the fear, without the desperation, without the anger. You can just be like, hey, you know, I would love this thing. It would feel really good if we did this. Thing. I would love more of that with you, mm-hmm. you know, or this is a value of mine, you know, that we have this kind of relationship and then your partner can kind of take those things on he can hear you now because you're like an appreciative satisfied person who also has some other things she likes Mm -hmm. right instead Mm -hmm. of the impossible to please woman which I think is the narrative that men tell themselves right Mm -hmm. you know talk of these false narratives Mm -hmm. you can't please her every time you see her she's angry and pissed she always has a problem she can't be pleased so once he thinks that about you, because why put the energy into that person, right? Yeah, it's that similar. Um, I don't know if this this phrase is in Canada, but the happy wife, happy life. Right. Have you heard that? Which yeah. is very like, ugh, it's such an icky phrase to me. <laughs> yeah, because when you see it as, because I hear people interpret differently everywhere I go. Yeah. I think that that causes with a happy life, happy wife. Yeah, that's a good question. So when I work with couples, one of the things that really helps a relationship become satisfied is when the couple has the ability to accept each other's influence, specifically in heterosexual couples. If a man accepts the wife influence simply by just hearing her perspective or her point of view, it, it, it eases a lot of tension with the woman. And it's like, we feel seen. We're just like, yes, you know, feel seen. And so that is when I often hear the phrase, oh yeah, happy wife, happy life. But to me, that that phrase means that the man is very passive and his values or his thoughts or his concerns are not important. You know, it's just a matter of like everything is involved with the wife as long as she's happy and I'm suffering internally then that's fine no I think I think a lot of people do see it that way and I agree with you the irony of that is it doesn't make a woman happy to have a have a husband like that mm-hmm. right All right right nobody likes the yes dear whatever you right. say dear crap because it's not genuine connection right who is this exactly. person I'm not even with a man I'm just with a robot who reflects back to me whatever I want to hear Mm-hmm. I totally agree with you that that's that's a really really harmful philosophy and I think but I I, have, I see the other side of it too which I don't know if other people see it this way but there's this um idea not an idea it's like a fact when couples go to therapy the wife will say she's unhappy and the husband will say he's not happy because she's not happy right mm-hmm. we're here because she has a problem is kind of the statistical average and the woman's like what why don't you have a problem our marriage is not going well right but his idea of it is that if she would only be happy, he would be fine, right? So that's the other side of it is that we so fixated on our well-being, right? Like, I just want my wife to be happy. Why can't she be happy? That sometimes they kill themselves trying to produce that, like these happy wife, happy life guys, um, and totally, totally codependently ruin their own lives. But, but also what I tell women is your husband wants you to be happy. 
like he might seem checked out or he might seem selfish or, you know, when the relationship is going well, but he, like the nicest thing you can do for him is smile at him. Like you don't have to work so hard. He's just really loves your smile. Like it's really, really satisfying um, to him. And I think sometimes women put a lot of energy into like acts of service and like making the house amazing and like, you know, feeding him and all that stuff. And sure, who doesn't like those things? Like, of course, it's nice. But sometimes we burn out on like the non-essentials mm -hmm. when like you being peaceful and joyful is the essential. You feeling good in yourself is what's going to keep that marriage going forward because it's two people that are happy, right? Two people that are doing well. So that's why it's so different. You get both people in the room. Right, right. And I get the women in the room whose husbands won't come in the room. That's my oh opinion. yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I I hear that dynamic a lot in couples therapy, and I think I see that a lot in like movies and TV shows where yeah. it's the woman's like has the problem, and the man's like she yeah. just wants. But I don't, yeah. I don't see that working with couples. Okay. I see it very. Um, they're both they're both there either to a lot of times often to increase like emotional connection with each other. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have quite a few couples who the men are unhappy, you know, yeah. and they're, they're working together. So I kind of put it as the couple against the thing, right? Because so yeah. often like we're kind of fighting each other and we're just like, it's your yeah. fault. No, it's your fault. No, it's your problem. No, it's your problem. And it's like, no, you guys are on the same team. So get back on the same side of the fence and look at the problem externally and it's yeah. it's you guys against this thing and yeah it creates so much more foundation for that relationship you know and the more foundation that we have the more appreciation and friendship when we have that as a foundation then when conflict comes up you have so much more to draw from you know like the Gottmans talk about the emotional bank account and right. we want it you know my goal for all of my couples that I work with is at least let's have it three-fourths of the way full most of the time <laughs> because yeah, I was catching. Yeah. I mean, if, if conflict happens and boom, you've got some, you've got some monies there to help you help you through it. <laughs> yeah. I was catching that Gottman stuff. And, and yeah, I think, I think it's so wonderful. And, and what it makes me think about is the different stages relationships are in or like the different types of couples, because when I see a man initiating therapy, this is like a conscious guy, right? Mm -hmm. He like knows what he wants. And he's yeah. not putting it on the back burner with this happy wife, happy life stuff. Yeah. And he's like, no, let's go. Like, I don't want to just survive here. Or like Lewis mm -hmm. Howes, he said that, you know, he, his relationship, he started therapy at the beginning of it because he understands that like, let's make sure that we clean up all this stuff before we run into problems. Right. Yeah. And so I guess my message is I wanted that. Right. I was mm -hmm. like, why can't we go to couples therapy? Why can't we read these books together? And like, my husband's not like a caveman, like he's educated, modern man, has no weird ideas about women. And I'm still hitting this brick wall. Mm -hmm. And so my message to women listening who can't get their husbands to therapy is it's great if you can, but don't think that's the port of last resort. You can yeah. still affect all these changes. And, and I, I just feel so sad because I hear women all the time and I see them going, well, I feel I'm this close to a divorce. I've asked him to go to couples therapy. He won't even go. Mm -hmm. If he cared, he'd go. And so if he's not going to go, that's it. It's over. Like it's so devastating, so hurtful to them that this man won't have a conversation. He won't go to therapy. And I just want them to know there's so many men like that. And there's so many reasons they won't talk to someone. And usually not one of them is that he doesn't care about you. It's this mm -hmm. whole other baggage. You ever read anything by Terrence Real? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because he talks about that, right? Like the... Mm -hmm. 
what's the name of the book? He talks about how, you know, these men are bringing awful baggage from their family of origin. Their husbands were abusive. You know, their fathers were abusive. Their wives, you know, their mothers gave them no emotional attention. And now they go into this intimate relationship and they have like zero skills for that environment. Mm -hmm. The whole thing is foreign to them. This woman's like, let's have a close thing. And they're like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff comes up in like the strangest ways, you know? Right. I think it's called Why Can't I Get Through to You? But I'll double check and we'll that's leave it in the show that's notes. It. And no, that's yeah. it. Why can't I get through to you? I think that's a yeah. really good one that shows male therapists, you know, and how he works with these men who are really resistant. I think there's a lot to how girls and boys are raised too from the start and what emotions are appropriate for boys to have, what emotions are appropriate for girls to have. And that tendency to fix it. You know, if, if, if I'm coming to my partner with something that I'm going through and he's like going into fix it mode, well, he's been like raised. He's, you know, you're, you're, you're a guy, you got to fix things. And whereas, you know, sometimes we just want, Oh, wow. Yeah. That sounds really hard. It's like, ah, thank you. I I know (laughs) just being with, just being with the woman, just be there, please. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's a hard one that's a really hard one for a lot of guys and I occasionally work with men and I what I try to tell them is that doing that is fixing it yes if you want her to feel better which is I know what you want with all Mm -hmm. your all reams of advice that you just want to hear just say oh man that sounds really rough is Mm -hmm. there anything else you'll be like oh my god a follow-up question (laughs) (laughs) but they do find it weird and they'll be like are you sure like this this feels very out of their depth to just mm-hmm. be and to just listen. And it's like, no, this is really, really effective. And I think once they see that it works, then they can get more confident with it. Like, oh, my my wife really was soothed by that and she appreciated it. Definitely. Yeah. How old are your kids? I don't think I asked you that. Four and six. Four and six. Four and six. Okay. Yeah. Mine are five and eight. So pretty, pretty similar right. in age. But yeah. I mean, now that they're that age, they're kind of into that next phase of parenting happens where it's like values teaching values teaching kind of like some morals and do you find that to be a difficult challenge with you and your partner of having to navigate that or does it feel like you're on the same page relationship wise I would say that intellectually we're mostly on the same page yeah like we're very much about like we've been teaching my six-year-old sex ed and it's just hilarious because now right. he's so used to it we're getting used to it you know it's really awkward at first oh we're yeah like, no our kids are gonna know stuff we're gonna bust through this awkwardness Mm-hmm. Um, so we're on the same page as that. I'd say, I think the hardest challenge for us is that my husband doesn't want to discipline the kids. Mm-hmm. He's like, I, you know, I work from home. I work part-time. He works full-time. He works longer hours. But when he sees them, he doesn't want to have friction. Yeah. Right. And he's been very clear about that. He's like, I don't want to have that stuff. Like I only get this much time with them. I really want to just have fun and hang out and stuff. And it's something that I've been pondering on, you know, like, how do I approach this need of mine mm-hmm. to have greater discipline coming from dad because Mm -hmm. I find disciplining exhausting Mm -hmm. I have a very very active six-year-old who's like off the charts energy wise so I've had to like do a lot of research get coaching get everything (laughs) to up level my capacity to hold boundaries with this kid um and so I love it to have you know that backup yeah Mm -hmm. and he'll always say do what your mom says and that stuff it's not he undermines Mm -hmm. although he does get a little bit uncomfortable when the kids do big protest things you know, mm-hmm. he's more likely to be like, oh, you know, and I'm like, oh, I've been fighting that battle all day. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> um, so 
So yeah, I'd say that it's not, it's really good. It's not a hundred percent. And I, I, in my work, I try to always take my own advice. Right. So it's like, okay, this is kind of irritating me. What is my real need here? Right. I would like him to take over a category. That's how I do things. I pass things off in categories so that there's no overlap of, of, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. You'll do that. I'll do this. Right. So Mm. that I'm not, once you take it over, I'm not going to give you advice. I'm not going to criticize you. I'm not going to come in there and meddle. That's really chores with everything. And so I'm right now I'm planning some kind of area of discipline to give him, like whether that's a routine when they come home, where they put their stuff or, you know, some kind of activity in the house I want him to do. Because what I'm finding, I was, I was thank God when my kids got to four and six, because I found the young years really hard because again, because my oldest was so active before he really developed his reason, he was chaotic, like just pushing everything over on the counter and you couldn't really rein him in. So I'm really grateful they're at this phase. Um, but I'm also feeling this burden of like, man, if I don't train these kids to do chores and to have routines, they're going to be, like you said, another generation of boys who don't know how to do anything, right? Are used to getting away with it because they push back long enough that you give up. Yeah. It's like yeah. the strategy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's 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 sort of the next thing. How do I really maintain that order and and have my husband be, you know, an important facet of that? It's, not least because he's their dad and he's a man. So he's modeling that. What do the dads do and how do they handle stuff? What are some examples of categories that you have? So for example, after dinner, it used to be, you know, there's the bath and there's the clean up the kitchen, right? And we go, kids go to bed pretty early. So that's all happening at the same time. Yeah. And I would be going crazy because I'd be washing a kid, doing a dish, mm-hmm. wiping the counter, in and out. And he'd be washing, he'd be doing different kids two teeth and it was nuts and we'd be all yeah. in the bathroom and get so loud and so then I thought can you do either the jobs that are outside the bathroom or the jobs that are inside the bathroom I don't want yeah. us both in the bathroom mm-hmm. and he kind of balked at the jobs outside the bathroom <laughs> which I kind of saw coming but I said that's fine just pick one of them mm-hmm. and so now he did and when he gave me the class he's like we kind of have a hybrid approach I'm like yeah in the hybrid approach I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off yeah. um so <laughs> You know, what What I've also learned is that it's easy to be like, I'm doing more than you. This isn't fair, right? And kind of really get righteous about that. Because mm-hmm. um, I know every woman is in that position. I read that Eve Rodsky book, Fair Play. It's like, yeah. this is a huge friction point for all couples nowadays, right? Yeah. Is women feeling like they're doing too much and doing the second shift and men not pulling their load. And the biggest thing I've learned in my practice when reading that book is pointing that out to them doesn't help it. Sure. Yeah. She's, she said she made a list of all the things she did and all the things he did. And he was just like, like he just gave like a, a monkey cover his eyes emoji. And that was like the end of it, right? <laughs> so instead of like pointing out the discrepancies and like, let's make this fair. It's like, okay, this is what I like. Here's your two options. And, and then the biggest part is just holding your ground. Like, yeah. no, I'm going to do one or the other. Which one do you want? And let him have that autonomy. And so he picked in the bathroom one. And it was really cool because the first night, oh, there was friction. The oldest one was totally resisting this. Sure, yeah. And I Change. was having all these emotions, like, mm-hmm. get those kids in line. But I stayed out of it. Uh-huh. And then the next night, he was like, you know what? The little one is really bonding with me because of this. I feel oh, like yeah. they're so much closer to me because I'm doing the bath time. And I said, that's exactly right. It's not all the other stuff. It's the, it's the care stuff that yeah. really bonds with kids. And so it was super cool because... You know, there's a little bit of a, a bumpy bit when he takes it over and when I have to bite my tongue, 
Mm-hmm. And then he just it. He, you know, his skills get better at it. The kids get more used to it. And, um, and I love it because by the end of the day, I don't want to do bath time. I've had lots of bonding. Mm-hmm. I don't need more. <laughs> yeah. My husband and I did something pretty similar because we, we have two daughters. And so we would change um, who was putting, we both put the kids down, but rotate each night. And it was chaotic. Yeah. All four of us in the bathroom, tiny, tiny bathroom, brushing teeth, fighting, brushing hair, all that stuff. And then we so finally... Familiar. When we're done, we got to go downstairs and clean the kitchen. At that point, we're exhausted. So we changed it to like one person puts the kids down, one person works in the kitchen, and then we swap nights. So we both have that time with the kids and we both have that, you know, kind of break in the kitchen and, um, yeah. and it's been, it's been nice. Now we're done at the same time and everything's done. <laughs> oh, I know it's amazing. And we did the same thing. We all kind of wanted to be there and be with the kids and family, family. And I just find the divide and conquer is so much more efficient for your energy yeah. levels. Absolutely. And then, like you said, when you come down to the kitchen, you can hang out. The other boundary I set, because I I realized this is, I said, I don't want to clean after bedtime. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to put kids to bed and then come work my ass off from eight to 10. Like no way. Nothing makes me more bitter. Right. Cleaning in the evening. Yeah. And so I made a decision with myself. I'm not going to do that anymore. And then I organized our life in such a way that I could, you know, get it done or he could help, you know, with whatever mm-hmm. tasks that he does so that it just wasn't necessary to clean in the evenings. And yeah. things go such a long way to making you like your husband. Mm-hmm. You, know, you just don't like him when you're all stressed out like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, how can people find you? Okay, so I'm um, I'm active on Facebook the most, so you can just find me. My personal profile is open, Shiloh Minor. Um, I also have a Facebook group for women who are creating amazing marriages. So this is a women's only group for women who are like, you know what, I've tried to get my husband on board. He's not cooperative. This is where you can get all the information for all the power you have, everything that you can do to transform your marriage. And um, if you message me, I can give you a link to a masterclass I just did called From Roommates to Lovers. Okay. So if you're like, nice. okay, the passion is gone, what do we do about this? Mm-hmm. That's for you. Mm-hmm. Nice. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been so great. <laughs> yes, thank you. I so love much. that we were fun. Yeah, I love that we were able to connect and chat this morning. And I also, I'm so envious that you live in Nova Scotia. That's like one of my my dream locations to go visit. It looks absolutely gorgeous. Oh, <laughs> I'm in Oregon, which is, Oregon, which is also nice. beautiful. I love um, Oregon too. I love yeah. Oregon. I've been there a few times to, you know, Hood River area and on oh, the beach yeah. at um, Haystack Rock. Oregon's fantastic, but yeah, you love Nova for listening and your continued support new episodes come out every tuesday please make sure you review and subscribe to our podcast we greatly appreciate it follow us on instagram at love after lullabies and if you want to be on our show come on you know you want to be on it email us at love after lullabies at gmail.com so she got burgers in her ears <laughs>